Turn to two people and say, this is going to be good. If you like a title, my title today is, We Can't Stay the Same. We Can't Stay the Same. Hello. Hello. One nil at the left-hand side. <laughs> Who believes in this, that our God has always had good plans for us? Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future and not to harm you. That's always been his plan. But if God's got plans for us and we're not there yet, surely we can't be the same here as when we arrive there. Reason being, for us to handle God's good plans, we need to change. We can't just carry on the same and expect it to be different. There's a definition of madness in there somewhere, isn't it? Keep doing the same thing but expecting a different outcome. And God says, I've got good plans for you, but for, in order for you to walk in my good plans, I need to do something in you. We need to change. Therefore, we can't stay the same. Preach it. Here's the thing, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wild one to get your head around, but I believe it to be true. God lives outside of time. You see, if God lived inside of time, could it even be God? Because God created time. Our trouble is, as human beings, that's a wacky idea because we, only, we, are, we are created within time. You know, we're born, we age, we die, we live in time, we have a 24-hour clock, we have seasons. We, this whole thing. But none of that affects God. You see, he knew the beginning from the end. And he can work within that paradigm, which is difficult for us to get our head around. But nevertheless, it's true. He's God and I'm not. It says this in Revelation 22:13. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. See, God doesn't, he, he can be here and here all at the same time and know what's going to go on in between. Within that, he gives us free will. So we can't say, oh, God knew I was going to do that anyway, so it doesn't really matter, because he gives you free choice. And he loves you enough to allow you that free choice. His choice would always be better, but he loves us enough to say, work it out for yourself. I love you, I love you, I love you. No matter what choice you make, I have made my mind up, I love you. I hope and encourage you to make the right choices along the way, but I love you enough to stand back and let you make that choice. But time doesn't affect me. And so what he has is he has good plans. And he wants us to walk in those good plans. He will allow us free will within that, but he wants us to get there. There is a plan for your life and it is good. I think as people, we wrestle with this whole concept because we've got good plans. If you haven't got a vision for life, get, you, get a vision for your life. But I want to encourage you, pray about that vision for your life. Get God's vision for your life, because I guarantee you, it will be better than your vision for your life. You know, God loves you so much. So I want to look at Joseph just very quickly and look at the progression he made in not staying the same. Because God always had a plan for him. Have a look at this in Genesis 41, verses 43 to, 41 to 43. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole of the land of Egypt. That's quite an important role. Most powerful country on the planet at the time. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him in, ride in a chariot and his second, as his second in command. And people shouted before him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole of Egypt. That right there was God's good plan for Joseph. He always intended for him to be the prime minister of the most powerful nation in the world. As a small boy, do you think that was Joseph's good plan? 
Or do you think that is better than Joseph's good plan? So God had a plan. Joseph had loads of stuff to go through along the way and choices to make, but that was God's plan. You're going to be the prime minister of the most powerful nation on the planet. The trouble is, Joseph needs some work. Let's have a look at the start. Genesis 37. Let's go back a few chapters. Verses 5 through 7. Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I've had. We were binding sheaves of grain and out in the field. And when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. How does that sound to the older brothers? The younger little twerp of a brother saying, I've had a dream. And I rose up high and you all bowed down to me. Isn't that boastful? Isn't that a bit sort of, shimmer down, son. Calm yourself. God's plan was that he'd be the prime minister. Does this sound like prime minister material to you? I'm better than you. You're going to bow down to me. I'm rising up. You're bowing down. Even though you're my older brother, he was boastful. Probably quite ordinary for a young man his age having those kind of dreams at the time. But he needed to go through a process. He couldn't stay like that and end up prime minister. Do you understand it? And all these stories, true, but also for our learning. People here need to hear this today. God's got a plan for your life. But you right now cannot handle that plan. You've got to go on a journey. You can't stay the same. And it doesn't matter whether you're sat here in your 70s or you're sat here in your teens. God's still got a plan for you and you need to go on a journey on it. You're a good person. God's got a good plan for you. Joseph had to go on a journey. The journey I want to look at is this idea of transition. Transition's a weird old thing, and we'll talk about it a bit today, but transition's something we wrestle with, but we need to get comfortable with and good at. He says this to his brothers. They're sick and tired of him. He's the favored son. He's the one who gets the technicolored coat. They know that his dad favors him, which must be difficult for them anyway. And now... With his coat on, with the favor of his dad, he's coming saying, I've now had a dream. I'm even better than you. They throw him in a pit. Enough of all this. They dig a hole and throw him in it. Right there's a transition. Joseph goes from favored son, thinking he's above everyone, to hated brother who's actually underneath everyone. Can't go anywhere, can't do anything. He's gone through a transition. Was that a good transition or a bad transition? I want to suggest it's a tough transition right there. I've ended up in a pit. Praise the Lord. He needed to go through that transition. He then goes on to another transition because they don't just throw him in a pit. They sell him to be a slave. So they drag him out of the pit, put him in cuffs, and he gets carted away. Transition. So he's gone from favored son with the nice coat to bond slave. No freedom. That was a transition. And it was a tough transition. He works hard, but then gets accused by the woman of the house and thrown in jail for something he didn't even do. So he's gone from this young lad, boastful, loved by his father, gone through two or three transitions, and is now in jail. Tough times. Sometimes I think we're having a hard time of it. And actually, you need to read the stories of what other people have been through. 
There's someone out there tonight sleeping on the street who maybe didn't think they'd ever be there, but they've gone on this transition. But if we can understand God's purposes in transition, I believe we will end up in the best place. So we need to be people who embrace transition. Was this experience Joseph had been on nice? Did God still have a good plan? Can you see? Sometimes you think, why is this happening to me? And we don't understand it all, but God in it all is living outside of time and he's got a plan for you. And maybe, just maybe, just maybe, we need to suck it up a little bit and learn through the transition because you're going to end up somewhere where you couldn't have even dreamed. Joseph had a dream, but he didn't understand it meant him being the most powerful man on the planet at the time. God did. But he needed to do something within him. See, transition happens to all of us. I want to call it like the fifth season. We all understand seasons, don't we? And how one season goes into another season and life changes. And, you know, we're entering this cold patch now and it's feeling cold and Christmassy and it's a new season. It's winter's come now. We get that. But we never talk much about transition. It's almost like transition can sometimes take a while. So you think it's here to stay. But transition is just a period. It doesn't stay the same. You go through it. And so if we can understand how transition works and understand what we need to learn through it, we can transition well. There will be people here. Dan Mills yesterday went on transition from being a single man to a married man. Who knows? That changes a lot. It's a good thing, but a difficult thing. There will be people here who have transitioned from being a student into the workplace. And some of you guys will go on that very soon. It's very different. I'm going to throw it out there now that most students think they're really busy. Controversial. Controversial. When you've worked for two years, come and tell me that you thought you were busy now after that. Anyone here know Mibaka? Remember Mibaka? He was with us. Well, I'm, I mentored Mibaka. Every Monday I spent an hour with Mibaka through his student life. And he was I'm so tired, Barry. I'm so tired. <laughs> Been working hard. Well, I had a conversation with Becca last, last week, and he's been working for 18 months now. And he said, do you know you kept telling me, you know, I shouldn't be tired. I get it now. <laughs> it's a transition. But the trouble is, what happens with all of us is we get a capacity for where we're at now. Uh, you might be someone who's, these guys have got a three-month-old baby. Talk to them about being tired. <laughs> but it's funny how you cope. Because you are able to cope with what's put in front of you. Somewhere in it all, you get this capacity. You know, we had, I met Sarah, right, and I fell in love. You're allowed to go, ah, set me up, people. <laughs> she was so amazing. I rise, met across the room, and I just fell in love. And I fell in love with her. My heart expanded. And it's like you're in love with this person. You think, wow, I couldn't love anyone anymore. And then Josh arrived. Playing the drums tonight, by the way. Round of applause for my son. Yeah, it's pretty cool, pretty cool. 13 years old and this little boy arrives in your life and somewhere in it all your heart expands oh, I didn't know I could love any more than that and then Evie arrived and I don't know what happens and all you parents will get it but your heart just grows some more capacity to love and I believe when you go through transition God expands something of your capacity to handle the next phase and so Joseph has gone on this horrendous journey, but in it all, God was doing something. He could not have handled the things he needed to handle here when he was here. 
But he took him on a journey so that when he got here, he could handle his stuff. What I love about Joseph's story is that everywhere he went, he gained favor. He worked hard. They liked him. He went to jail. They promoted him. He got favor everywhere he went. His character was developing. So I want to challenge us as a church, no matter what stage you're at in your life right now, whether you're in transition or not, gain favor with people. Be faithful. You represent Jesus. And therefore, through it all, God can work in your character along the journey. I know, I know, I know there are people sat here who need to hear this. You know, I had another message written for today, which I will give in a couple of weeks' time. But the beginning of the week, I went on a pastor's day and we talked about transition. And there's a guy I like to listen to called Paul Scanlon. And his message this week was transition. I'm like, okay, God, you're saying something. I believe as a, as a church, we're in a transition. You know, there's lots of people in this room are in transition. So how about we talk about transition so we transition well? And just suck it up and say, God, do what you've got to do in me. And go on the journey because he has good plans for you. To be effective where you're heading, you can't be the same as you are now. You need to shift. We all need to shift. The difficulty is people want to keep you the way they found you. Ever heard that? Oh, they've changed. <laughs> oh, I can't believe they're so different. You know, I've had people who've gone off to the city. I was school friends with them. They've gone off to the city and they earn vast amounts of money. And they come back and they've changed. But you know what? Good for them. Because they're handling, you know, seven-figure salaries. Good for them. It's different now for them than when they were my mate at school. They've transitioned. They can handle some stuff. I actually want to celebrate when people change. Hopefully in a positive manner. But people change. But there will be people in your life, even now, trying to keep you the same. Can I say, you young people growing up, people who might keep you the same will be your parents. They want to keep you little old Joey, or whatever your name might be. <laughs> Where did that come from? They want to keep you the same, but actually, and my mum will talk to you about this, there's this whole idea of cutting the apron strings. At some point, they've got to let you go to be the person you were called to be. And it's not because you don't honour them and love them. You totally do, but you need to grow. They're winning, by the way. It's really quiet over here. Are you hearing me? Don't allow someone to hold you back from the transition because it suits them. Break out of it so that you can be the person God's called you to be and fulfill the destiny he's got for you. Will we be walk willing to walk closely with God through a transition when we don't yet know the outcome? You see, Joseph's in jail. He doesn't know that God's got a plan for him to be the prime minister. He's just in jail. But while he's in jail not knowing the outcome, he stays close to his father. While he's in jail not knowing the outcome, he serves faithfully. While he's in jail not knowing the outcome, he interprets dreams, uses his spiritual gift. He doesn't sit there and mope and moan and go, woe is me, my life's an absolute load of old, careful, toot. Does he? He gets on with it. And in it all, he gains favor through the difficult transition. God always had a plan. But he needed a man who could handle the situation and develop the character. Now, I love this. Joseph meets his brothers again. He 
He's the prime minister of the most powerful nation in the world. All of Israel is starving. They have come to beg for food from the prime minister. These are the lads who put him in the pit. These are the lads that sold him into slavery. Now they're coming because they want the food that I'm in charge of. Where's the shoe now? Let's have a look how he handles it. It's Genesis 45, verses 1 through 6. They've come to him and they've met him. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. Can you imagine it? The prime minister. And it's Theresa May, maybe, and someone's come to her and they've come to her asking for something. She's like, yes! <laughs> In fact, he couldn't control himself anymore. Just so chuffed to see him. And he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. Get out of the room. Get out. Get out. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. He's transformed so much they didn't even recognize him. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him. And Pharaoh's household heard about it. That's quite a lot of crying right there. Joseph said to his brothers, I'm Joseph. Revealed himself to them. His dad's still alive. But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified in his presence. They knew what they'd done. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land, and for the next five, there's going to be no plowing or reaping. Here is Joseph, who had the power to put them in jail, who had the power to say, you're not going to get any food, you're going to starve to death. But no, in the journey, God has done something in his character. He had no hatred towards them. He said, don't worry about it. God was doing something. He sent me ahead of you so people would live. I wonder how many of us need to understand transition because the day will come when you can meet someone's need. Would you have the character to meet the need of the person who stitched you up? Would you have the character to meet the need and be loving to the person who stabbed you in the back? Who stole from you? You hear the picture. This was the character that he needed to be the prime minister. But when he was the boastful boy, he could never have done that. So God took him on a transition. At any point, Joseph could have said, this is ridiculous and just freaked out. But no, Joseph, Joseph stayed close to his father. He used his gift. He served faithfully. And in the end, he was ready. And God promoted him to a position that Joseph couldn't even have dreamed of because he transitioned well. And I want to say... There are people in this room who need to transition well because the place God has taken you is just beyond your wildest dreams. But you don't know that now. You can only live now to transition well. Turn to three people and say, transition well. Can we apply this concept to the church? I hope you take that as a personal. Yeah, come on. God's got a plan for me. I've got some dreams for me. I want to do some stuff, but I am also part of a group, a church. And God's got plans for the church and hopes 
for the church. And the church needs to transition. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this. But we all, us, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now this is 2 Corinthians. This is the second letter to the Corinthian church. It's a letter to the church. So this is God speaking to us. You can take it as an individual too, but it's a letter to the church. And he says, I want to take you from glory to glory. Do you know what that means? Change. The glory here was great, but I want you here. It's always been his hope to transition us from one place to another as a group. So we can't stay the same. The reality is, as church, we like the same. The church in the 1980s was phenomenally brilliant. But that church wouldn't be effective now. God does different stuff. And we need to be a church that is on the money in our time, but also be prepared to change, because what's it going to look like in 10 years' time? Can we transition with the Father? Can I suggest that transition is like a bridge? Look at the picture of the bridge. Take it to the bridge. <laughs> a bridge is something that takes you from one place to another. Transition is something that takes you from one place to another. And I particularly love this because here we have this island, I believe it's in New York. They have this island. Without the bridge, you're stuck. But you've got a bridge that takes you from one place to another place. You've got a bridge that takes you from one part of the city to the other part of the city. I love the fact that in this particular picture, there's two bridges. And so actually, God can take a group of people in two different directions and can still be good. But there has to be transition. There has to be a bridge. And so if we look at transition as a bridge, we can start saying, God's taking us, the church, somewhere new. We're not stuck on an island going around the same thing, doing the same thing, being the same people. He's transitioning us to somewhere new. No bridge equals stuck. Transition equals new territory. Could we be a group of people who can see some new territory? but be prepared to change enough to handle the new territory. God doesn't want us to stay the same. Can I say the message never changes? We have the best message on all of the planet. That there's a God in heaven who loves you so much that was willing to send his son to die for you. And if you just say yes, your life will be different forever. It's free of charge. doesn't cost you anything, but thank you. And then you go on this journey, not of religion, but of relationship. It's not like, not like a bunch of rules. It's like, oh, thank you for loving me. I'm falling in love with you. And when I read your book, it says some great ideas about how to live and how that will improve my life. And as I started to do them, and I wrestle with them a bit, but I'm doing my best. And as I start getting better, my life's just getting better. And it encourages me to do it even more. So it's not a bunch of rules. It's about relationship. And your life goes from here to here because God has good plans for you. The message never change. The methods do. The methods change. I'm sure the church that Ingrid grew up in and my mum grew up in and, uh, you know, people older than us grew up in, spoke differently, wore different clothes, did different music, all of those things. But the message was the same. And it met the need of the people then. If we had those same people up here right now, you probably wouldn't be here. Because you'd be like, what is that music all about? You know, one of the reasons I dress down, casual, is because the people God has called me to meet are people who aren't yet in church. 
And if they came in and I was suited and booted, and there's nothing wrong with suited and booted, it's cool, nothing wrong at all. But the vision I carry is to meet my friend who lives up the road. And so when he comes in, he'll look at me and go, oh, yeah, it's, it's casual today, I quite like, I get that, I get that. I am communicating, my method is to communicate my father's heart. Do you see? The reason we have loud music and drums and lights is because the people we're trying to reach aren't yet in church, and they understand loud musics and lights. It's not that the loud music and lights is, is, is the be-all and end-all, because you know what? Organ music can work just as well. But our vision is to reach the people who get this. And so the methods change, the, the message is the same. And so when you come in this, the reason we have it a bit dark is because it creates an atmosphere. So if you brought your friend who's never been in church before, they would walk in and go, oh, different, isn't it? I wasn't expecting that. And then I get up here and they go, <laughs> but you know what? I know that God's given me something. When I open my mouth, people's hearts move. God, that has to be him and not me because I'm a bit of a muppet, really. But Steady. <laughs> this side got loud then. <laughs> and, and hear me now, hear me now. I mean, I've turned all Ali G, haven't I? The reason I can publicly say I'm a Muppet is because I know my father loves me. And actually, I'm totally secure in the fact that I'm not really a Muppet. <laughs> Do you hear? But I'm not so proud not to take the mickey out of myself. Because in the end, I just want people to meet Jesus. And so we have thought through the way we run this church because the methods change. We are transitioning from a church that met a certain way years ago, which was brilliant, but we want to reach a certain group of people. And so our methods have met that. This isn't the only way to do it. And other ways are also brilliant. But this is the way God's called us to do it. And it's about transitioning. It's a bit uncomfortable. It's not what I'm used to. It's loud. What's the point of all this? But then you see people meeting Jesus. What I love about our church is that I know lots of people who go to other churches and they say, when I invite my friend to church, I'm bringing them to your church. That's the church I want to be. That your neighbor would come in here and go, well, that's really great. And I met Jesus. And that's our challenge. And that's why we do what we do and how we do it. We need language to develop that meets the need today. What is the language that will meet your best friend, your work colleague, your study colleague, your mum, your dad, your brother, your sister, your friend, whatever it might be. What is the language that will touch them? That's the language we need. And it won't be the same language as 20 years ago. We have to transition to allow God to use us. Do you, do you get what I'm trying to say? And it will be different in 10 years, and it will be different in 20 years. You know, I love, are you familiar with Carl Lentz, the New York Hillsong guy? Just, just look him up. I encourage you to look him up. Years ago, they said that New York would be one of the toughest places to reach spiritually. Have you ever heard of Nicky Cruz and the Run Baby Run story? It all happened back there, and it's difficult times, gang culture, the rest of it. A lot of A-list celebrities living there. They say that no one could touch it. Well, Hillsong rock up, and obviously it's phenomenal what they do. And, and this Cole Lentz rocks up. He's got a completely shaved head one side. He's got tattoos all over him. He's all curly. He wears scruffy jackets and that. They've got about 50,000 people in their church. They said it'd be impossible, but no. When you meet the need, when you transition the church to touch people's lives, they will come. And he's just written a book, and I'm just about to start reading it, about enjoying the moment. And how we're always reaching for something, but never enjoying this. And the trouble is, when you get that, you start reaching for that. And so no one ever enjoys life. 
What a great message. God wants you to enjoy your life right now. That's a great one to take away with you right there. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 says this. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do not perceive. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The trouble is, all of us Christians love God's doing a new thing. But we want to do it the old way. God's doing a new thing, but I want to stay the same. Well, if God's going to do a new thing, he's either going to use you or someone else. And so I say, let's go with him. And maybe it'll be exciting. Maybe it'll be challenging. Maybe, God, could you do a work in my spirituality and my church life that I just follow you? Rather than I decide, no, 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 that's not how we do church, God. I mean, who's running the show here? But we could, could we as a church transition with the Father so that we could meet someone's need one day? Could we be that group of people? I pray that we can. I challenge myself as a leader to lead you that way, and I hope you'll run with me because there are people in this town who need us to transition. Acts 17, 26, I want to encourage you. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. God, from the beginning of time, decided what time you were going to live. The appointed times in history. God decided you were going to live now. And he decided the boundaries of that. And he decided where you were going to live. So if God decided you were going to live now and where you were going to live, I want to suggest that you're the right person right now to transition with God. Because he knew you were going to be here. So why on earth would he put you here if you're not capable of that? God decided you were going to live in this time, in this land, now. So you're the right person. I am speaking to the right crowd. Will you take the challenge to transition? Personally and as a church. So that we one day, just like Joseph did, will be able to stand there with the character and the gifting and anointing to meet someone's need. And say, there's a father in heaven who set me up in this position because I want to help you. I want to feed you, I want to house you, I want to lavish love on you, I want to declare the Father over you. But the only reason I can do that now is because over the last 10 years I transitioned. And I'm now not the same person here as I was there, and I can handle it differently. I believe Kessid Church won't be the same church in 10 years' time as it is now. I believe it will be far more glorious. But we'll go on a journey together. There'll be some ups and downs. We'll get some of it wrong. But you know what? We'll try. But when we get there. But how about we enjoy right now as well? Yeah. You know, how cool. Look at the person next to you a second. Go on, have a look at them. All behind you. Look at that lovely face. You see, right? Enjoy that. You, you sat next to that person tonight. How cool is that? Look at Billsy looking at Jess. Look, look, look. Oh, look. Oh, look, look. Love it. Sorry, Matt. Sorry, Matt. I can't promise I won't do it again. <laughs> in war, the first thing to get bombed in war are the bridges. The reason they bomb the bridges is because it cuts off all the supply lines. They can't get food in or out, and they can't get ammunition in or out. So if that we know is a natural tactic, it will also be a spiritual tactic. 
And so therefore, churches and, ch and Christian individuals struggle to transition because now you become a threat that you're actually going to go somewhere with your life. And you suddenly find all this resistance like you're being bombed. No, don't do that. Don't listen to that. It's okay, you're a lovely person as you are. Stay the same. It's all good. And you're trying to become a bridge, but your bridge is being bombed. It's a natural tactic. It'll be a spiritual tactic. And I want to say that tonight we're highlighting that. So you will be able to see before it happens the attack that's likely to come so that you can resist it. The Bible says resist the devil and he'll flee. So when you stand and go, no, I'm going to be the person God called me to be. I'm prepared to be uncomfortable. I'm prepared to shift a little bit. Your bridge will stay strong. And you will be the one who transitions someone else to another path, to new territory. When Moses took the Israelites out of Egypt, one of the most famous transitions in history, millions of people coming out of slavery into freedom. There was a whole bunch of things that happened there which I think we should take note of. Pharaoh increased their workload. You want to go? I'm going to make it harder for you. Expect it to get harder for you. But still resist. Still resist. Don't get hemmed in. He said, if I can't stop you leaving, I'll cause a distraction. You men can go and worship your God over there, but I'm going to keep the women and the children. And so the men are like, well, I don't really want to go without them. I, I kind of want to. They're distracted. And it's amazing when you know God's calling you to transition somewhere and shift the part of your life that you get your eyes and your attention on something else. Don't get distracted. Allow him to do the thing he needs to do in you. He said they'd leave empty-handed. But I want to say when God transitions, you as an individual and us as a church, we will leave with the wealth of Egypt. They took gold and materials and they set themselves up for a future. You will never be empty-handed. God will always supply, always supply so that you are equipped for a new place. And the last thing they were challenged with was how could they enter the place of freedom while dressed as slaves? And God's saying, church, start behaving now for where you're going to go then. You know, maybe we're not the church of thousands that I see and we will see one day, but I want to start talking like that. I want to start living like that. I want to start believing for that because it's where we're going. You know, I want to see Colchester Football Stadium actually full because they don't see it at football, do they? 10,000-seater stadium, average crowd of 3,500. Well, how about 10,000 Christians in there believing on Jesus for something to shift? That's what I want to see. But to see that, not as a one-off meeting, but as a church there, we have to transition. Could I cope with that as a leader? Probably not right now. But I'm saying, Lord, do what you've got to do in me. Could you cope with that as someone who serves in the church? Maybe not right now. But will you transition me? I love the Hillsong journey. and probably the most famous church in the world now, I guess, or certainly one of the. And we glory in them. They get 15,000 people every Sunday in London. But they start setting up at 5 a.m. Three juggernauts. Would we do that? 5 a.m. start every Sunday. They finish at midnight. And then the next day they get up and go to work. And you're like, wow, they get 15,000. But they work. We're not there yet. I don't believe. But could we transition to have the capacity to meet that need? Do you see? God's got to take us on a journey. But 
me for one, I want to say, Lord, I'm prepared to go on that journey. So that I change as an individual, but we change as a church. So that one day we are positioned to meet the need that's crying out. And we'll do it in the name of Jesus. I want to say that our children and our children's children are crying out that we will transition. So that there is a bigger and better and more glorious church for them to grow up in. I want to say there's people in this town and on the university and the surrounding areas that are crying out for a church to transition so that we could actually meet them where they're at. But it's going to happen. But it will only happen when men and women like you say, use me. And I'm prepared to transition to be different. Will you take that? Should we pray? Can I get you to stand up? Let's pray a prayer together. just invite you just to close your eyes no rules here you don't have to but it gives us a bit of focus in a moment like this Jesus Lord I want to thank you for every amazing person here just so many different personalities cultures gifting ideas just amazing to gather together and get around your word I thank you Lord for everyone here the reality is the Almighty God, the Creator of heaven and earth, has good plans for me. He has good plans for you. Our choice is, do we say yes? Do we say yes to those plans? Do we say yes to going through the transition? Do we say yes to do whatever you've got to do in me, God? And so tonight, that's the only prayer I want to pray. Is there anyone in this room willing at this time in your life to say, yes, Jesus, I'm all in. Do what you've got to do in me. I'm willing to transition. If that's you tonight, just raise your hand. We're going to pray. Thank you, Jesus, for so many people willing to transition. That's awesome. Father, you see the hands. You see the hearts. You see the gifts. I know heaven rejoices when people say yes. But we as a group right now, we say, yes, Jesus, use me, transition me, do what you've got to do in me, develop me, mature me, teach me. Let me be ready to meet the need when the day comes. Let me be mature enough to handle my stuff. Let us as a church transition to be the people you need us to be so that this town goes from one place to another. And all God's people said...